I guess you'd say, what can make me feel this way? My girl, my girl, my girl. Talking about my girl action figures. Collect them all. You can be the hero of the story, Veda Sultanfuss. I'm Veda. Something's always wrong with me. <laughs> or her little sickly friend, Thomas J. Hey, Veda. I'm your only friend. I hope I don't die. Let's kiss. You can even be her dad, the town mortician. Not now, Veda. I'm embalming your principal. I got the creepiest job in the world. I play with dead bodies all day. Or come to the rescue as Shallow Devoto, make a base and recent divorcee. I'm hemorrhaging. It's just your period, dummy. It looks like you're all grown up now. You can even be one of those hippies in the creative writing class. Remember that scene? Wavy, gravy. I don't bathe. I listen to Jefferson Airplane. Poetry is for morons, and I am a moron. Uh-oh, somebody kicked the beehive. Run, Thomas J. No, my allergies. He can't see without his glasses. No, not the bees. They are in my eyes. Now with child coffin accessories. Rest easy, lemon squeezy. Shipping and handling not included. Bees sold separately. I'm a bee. I hate kids. Welcome back to The Cable Boys, the internet's only podcast about movies that is being recorded in the same room together. That's right, Justin. We are just three little EpiPens who like to talk about movies from our childhood that were inappropriate for one reason or another. Like 1991's Tearjerker, My Girl, starring Macaulay Culkin and Anna Klumsky. 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 Klumsky? What did I say? Uh, I'm not going to repeat okay. what you said. <laughs> Uh, we are so, so fortunate, so pleased as punch, so enamored with his visage, uh, mere feet away from us. Uh, writer, actor, director, influencer, oh. guy who uh, is just a nice guy to hang out with on a beanbag chair, uh, oh, and yeah. the co-host of the Wine and Weed podcast, Chris Reinecker, everybody. Woo. Thank you, guys. I, I I think I started the clap for myself. Yeah. <laughs> but I cheerfully joined you. It was so, so nice to join your hands. I am honored to be your first in-person guest since the pandemic. Yes. Or of all time. Of all time. Of all time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. an honor. Um, and our second two-time guest, which is sort of an honor. I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me back. Of course. It means I didn't totally ruin the first one. <laughs> Not totally. Chris, you picked My Girl. When did you watch this movie? When did you cry Ooh. your eyes out as a little bitty boy? The the history of My Girl and my family is a foggy one. Mm -hmm. My sister watching My Girl was such a formative m moment for her that it was almost like banned in my house. Like we, like... She saw it too early. She couldn't handle it. When I finally saw this movie, I think I was about eight years old or nine years old. Mm -hmm. It was very like, okay, but it's a movie. Your sister, it didn't go well. But of course, like I loved Home Alone. Yeah. So it was going to be a romp and it's not a romp at all. <laughs> it's very sad. And it ends with Macaulay Culkin in an open coffin. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little rompy in the beginning. It's the yeah. And then just, just everyone takes the wheel and just jerks it off the highway. It's like, nope, dead kid territory. You think you think this starts off as a romp? I the, mean, the first location is a funeral home. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like... So I, I'm not even sure if I've seen this movie, but it's it's such a, you know, in the lexicon, iconic movie. So I knew everything about it, you know? And I was just kind of watching it, and I was like, oh, this is like, the the tone's odd because it's kind of trying to be funny. And I completely either forgot or didn't know Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she is. Yeah, it deals with death. I mean, here here's the thing is that my mother is allergic to bees. Oh, wow. And Jamie Lee Curtis, her face doesn't look like my mother, but she resembles my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom's tall, skinny, has long brown hair. So there's very, like, traumatic. Like, the trauma's all built in for me and my sister to go downhill. Did your mom also just show up at your door one day? No, no, that part didn't happen to me. Because that's a disturbing part in this movie. (laughs) Also, three months, three months they're engaged for. Yeah, I mean, the 70s are a different time. Yeah, I I didn't quite get that part. So Dan Aykroyd and Anna, what's her name? Klumsky. Klumsky. There's an L up there? Yes. A big one. I I didn't see it. Um, (laughs) They they live, they're, uh, what what do you call it, father and daughter. Mm -hmm. And they live uh, in a funeral home that Dan Aykroyd runs. Uh And... Jamie Lee Curtis shows up out of nowhere and is like, I need a job. Well, she saw an ad in the paper. Yeah. Okay. He had to he had to put funeral parlor, right? No, but I mean, like, uh, she knows when she pulls up her RV to a funeral home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah th- this probably isn't just like a single makeup job. I also don't know why she just, she just kind of left her other job to come to this other job. Like, she just quit. Well, if you remember, the, the parlor was owned by her ex-husband. Yeah. So... A, she has a thing about her boss, and B, uh, you know, she had to get out of there. So she's kind of a parasite, right? (laughs) It seems like she's just showing up and like, I'm going to live here now. I am perplexed at the entire production thinking that the audience was going to be on board that Dan Aykroyd is virile. She she says, oh, he's good at kissing and dancing. Hubba hubba, here we go. But also, like, just, like, beats up this guy so hard that, like, his brother that he brought to strong-arm the situation also just backs off. And let's let's be very honest. Beat up a guy who was legally in the right. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's his RV. True, true. He punches him in the stomach. Yeah. And then I also love the brother's line when he's like, your dad's a savage. (laughs) Feels like the original use of that. So you said your sister was really affected by this. What happened to her? Oh, yeah. My sister watched it with my cousin, Danielle. And How old? It must have been when it was like pretty new on DVD. So that's like 90. So she was probably like seven. And she watched it and she like cried herself to sleep, was, like, obsessed with the fact that her parents were going to die. And I remember this being passed on to me, like, mom is going to die of bee stings Mm -hmm. because this movie's all about death and all about your mom dying, and our mom is allergic to fucking bees. So, yeah, it it was definitely, like, got us obsessed with the idea that our parents would die. Well, I was talking with my girlfriend, who she calls my girl her favorite movie. She went, oh, my God, I also had this weird obsession around seven years old with, like, my parents dying. And now I'm thinking that it was because I saw my girl. So I think this traumatized an entire generation. Well, do you remember, like, when we were younger— the news would constantly be like, killer bees are coming. They're oh, coming. the PR for bees. God, the media has always been garbage. They're like, they're in Texas. They're going to be here next summer. And like, as a kid, I'd be like, wait, is there like a swarm of bees coming to eat us? <laughs> it's, it's basically what happened with sharks. Sharks too. Jaws happened. Everyone was afraid to go in the water. And fishermen just started brutalizing sharks. And like <laughs> the same thing happened to bees. Everybody was terrified by these sweet little honeybees that yeah. don't attack unless they're provoked. And now our planet's going to die because <laughs> all the honeybees are disappearing. Did you guys know that uh, Macaulay Culkin, when they filmed that scene— they, they were just real bees. He was kind of in danger. And, like, he he was quoted afterwards. He was like, yeah, I wouldn't say it's the worst scene I've ever done, but it was challenging. They put pollen on every one of his fingers so that way the bees would, like, circle around him Jesus as he Christ. was swatting away. And I looked up. The average person can tolerate 10 stings for each pound of body weight. So in adults— could uh, withstand a thousand stings, but 500 stings could kill a child. Mm -hmm. And so, like, they tested him beforehand that he wasn't allergic, but, like, he still could have gotten fucked up. Yeah, totally. This is how much, like, I feel like this movie affected me. Like, I did not realize that anyone could get that many bee stings. I had never been stung by a bee until I was, like, 28, maybe. Like, I was, I remember, I've only been stung by a bee once, and I remember it was in Westwood. But I thought that bee stings could, I definitely thought like 10 bee stings could like kill a man. (laughs) 
That's a lot of poison. But wow. Yeah, I thought like one bee sting when you're that allergic. Well, when you're allergic, but I also thought even when you're not allergic, bees, like the propaganda against yeah. Again, the media, they were like, let's run with it. <laughs> They're coming for you. It, just to tie in sharks, bees, uh, dangerous filming scenes, have you heard the story about when they did Jaws with the guy in the cage? You know that scene with the guy in the cage and the huge shark that goes mm-hmm. by him? In order to pull that off, they put a little person in scuba gear, did not train him. <laughs> That's a real shark yeah. in the ocean. And then the shark goes into the chain and like that really freaking happened. Like he really did it. They did not plan that. And I believe like he was like floating in the ocean and the shark like genuinely attacked this guy. This guy got a day rate. <laughs> <laughs> this guy got a day rate. And I, and they, I, I was watching this shark documentary on like a Disney Plus or something. And they tried to make it very like, and here's a crazy story. And I was like, no, this is a story about like workers' abuse. Yeah. This is gnarly. This yeah. past month, we've really learned that movies could be a dangerous uh, place to be. Yeah. Like they didn't train him how to scuba dive before doing that. They were like, you'll be fine. And what if he was allergic to sharks? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing that was very surprising about this also was Macaulay Culkin's not in the movie very much. No, I, okay, I forgot. Right? Yeah. And, and like, he's, like, starring in the movie. But that's really just to what, get Home Alone fans, who are kids, mm-hmm. to watch the movie and then trick them into, like, experiencing gnarly trauma. Yeah. Well, this is post-Home Alone? This is post-Home Alone. He was post-Malone. Malone? Post-Home Malone? Is that a parody that we should be writing? Uh, yes, he was cast before... Home Alone came out. Oh, And so wow. they were like, jackpot. And so the director, Howard Ziff, was actually talking about like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. He was in less scenes, but him and Anna just had such good chemistry. We started putting uh, a couple more scenes in with him. And so like after that, they launched a Mac is back campaign to get people to the theater. He is the biggest reason that people went. And it was like, it made 17 million its first weekend. Wow. Yeah. Is he in the second one too? He is not in the second one. He is referenced in the second one. How would he be in the second one? Hey, man, Hollywood magic. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Russell Crowe will tell you that it can be done. <laughs> Honestly, they tried to get him for a flashback sequence, yeah. but he said he was just too busy. And frankly, I get it. Yeah. It's garbage. It's very bad. What, mm. My Girl 2? I, I watched that as well, also on Netflix, if you want to make a little double feature for yourself. I watched it earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm on the same page with you. You, you watched them back-to-back? I watched them back-to-back. I watched uh, two movies back-to-back last night. <laughs> is, is it too early to get into when the gummy drops? Or the beat? <laughs> no, not that. The beat-off? Is it too early to get into the beat-off? Oh, God. There's a beat-off well, for my girl? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me do the bit, <laughs> which is... Uh, so at some point, Anna C. takes a uh, writing class with uh, Griffith Dunn, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a like a hippie couple yeah. in there, right? Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. the hippie blonde, I was like, hello. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, very much my type. And I, you know, I was watching it late at night and my wife was asleep. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll honk to this uh, hippie girl. Wow. But then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> This is, this is wow. a road to disaster because— So is the story. Because my, <laughs> my wife could, A, walk, wake up and walk in at any point. And also, the hippie girls, it's not about her, so these scenes aren't going to last long. So I might not be done honking my horn before, you know, it's now the kids are on the screen. So it would have been like the cuties prank, uh-huh. but backfiring. Right. <laughs> yeah. Also, Anna Klumsky uh, does not like the story that is being told. And so she is like visibly uncomfortable with this story. So you're you're going to be honking your horn while having no, the no. reason that you shouldn't be doing this mm-hmm. looking at you disgusted. Yeah, I know. So, I, so what I did was I looked up the hippie woman on uh, IMDb. Mm-hmm. She didn't have a big career. But she was in a movie called Immortal Combat from 1994. Immortal? Immortal Combat. (laughs) Immortal. (laughs) And it stars Sonny Chiba. Nice. And Rowdy Roddy Piper. (laughs) And I was like, I got to watch this. It's free on YouTube. It's called Immortal Combat. And it is uh, one of the most incomprehensible (laughs) movies I've ever seen. And I almost brought it because the opening five minutes, (laughs) 
makes no I had no I watched it three times the first five minutes and I was like, I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> People should check out that movie as well. Yeah. Mortal Kombat. What a Kombat. perfect double feature. Yeah. <laughs> and how do we find that? Mike wanted to honk his horn <laughs> to the 30th person on the call sheet. <laughs> and, and no honking took place. So just, you know. I mean, also, uh, she was smoking hot. Also, the 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 teacher's wife, oh, really yeah. quick, yeah. smoking hot as well. Yeah, she was a good looking. And Jamie Lee. I'm a stan. God, you love her. I do. But that's my point about this movie, which is it takes such a sharp and sudden turn. and. With Macaulay Culkin not really being in the movie that much, I'm not saying I wasn't affected, you know? Like, it, it is an effective movie and very sad. Did you cry? No. He doesn't cry. I'm dead no. inside. Did you guys cry? I cried. Uh, not this time, but as as a child, as a child, I definitely cried. I cried multiple times. Yeah. Even, even just searching the movie, like knowing that I was going to research and, and mm-hmm. watch the film, just reading the words... He can't see without his glasses. And yeah. I got, I like my my throat <sighs> seized up just a little bit. I thought, oh. I thought when I go to Kevin's funeral, I'm going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has astigmatism. He can see without his glasses, but it's tough to read street signs at night. But the other reason why I wasn't that affected, and it is sad whenever kids die, but <laughs> they make this point about... Uh, Macaulay Culkin's like allergic to everything, right? Mm-hmm. And he has a very overprotective mother. And then what does he do? He goes and <laughs> kicks a beehive. <laughs> and I was like, that's Darwinism at its best. I thought maybe like, oh, he fell somewhere or right. walked into an old thing and the bees were there. No, he just walks up and is like, oh, this thing could kill me. Yeah. First, first he mm. uh, he squirts water onto it, and she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, yeah, I should just knock this shit down. <laughs> and then, like, mm-hmm. goes back, kicks it after running for his life. Yeah. He, he sewed those oats, my friend. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Are you saying he deserved it? I'm not saying he deserved it. What I'm saying is that, that, that life is complicated, and <laughs> we'll find a way to get rid of some people. And, and if you— if you know that you're allergic to something and you're literally poking a hornet's nest or a bee's nest, I mean, if we all lived to be 100 years old, it would be miserable. And sometimes the bees find you. I would just like if Dan Aykroyd's monologue to the kid was that. Well, look, if we all lived to 100, <laughs> <laughs> we would die. I mean, he does. Like, he interrupts her as she's crying. He's like, he's gone. What are you going to do? Get out of here. <laughs> like, you're ruining the service for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're being yeah. a real bummer. Yeah. He, he was like, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone, okay. It's like, yeah, we know. It's a kid. Relax. One, one thing that uh, I feel like I passed over as a kid because I was so distraught and moved by the first two lines of put on his glasses he can't see without his glasses that I like I'm already in tears and I think I completely glossed over the he said he was going to be an acrobat yeah like <laughs> that, first, first of all like this kid is allergic to everything he's a weak coward. Uh, He's not that limber. I don't think he's on the road to doing anything besides just, like, staying inside. Why did I get shit for saying, like, he deserved to die when Kevin's sitting here shitting on us? Like, oh, he was weak. He he sucks. uh, (laughs) (laughs) He would, like, this is the best thing that could have happened to him. I thought he he was a cool kid. I thought he was a cool kid, too. He was fucking macking on chicks. Yeah. Fucking climbing trees, jumping down, almost falling, jumping into lakes. Yeah. Milk mustache. He had that, like, sick-ass milk mustache. (laughs) Fucking bummer of a mom wiped it off. (laughs) Mom, it took me two weeks to grow this. (laughs) Uh, Going back to that writing class for a second, I also, I thought of um, past commentator, uh, director Rufus Wainwright. Was that his name? Rufus Wainwright's a singer. Yeah, Rupert. Rupert. Rupert Wainwright. So if you're listening, because I think you're probably a fan of the pod now, uh, that's how you do kid-adult dynamics. Mm Mm-hmm. Because uh, Anna is in love with Griffin Dunn, and he's like, hey, you know, it's not going to work out, but you're going to live a long life. As opposed to Blank Check, where Karen Duffy was like, hey, what's up, little kid? <laughs> <laughs> she was like, maybe. Maybe, but maybe. I'm going to wait till you're 16. Yeah, 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 maybe. What were you, 11? Yeah, five. Four and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I laughed really hard in that scene, the first uh Scene is she has to raise what like thirty five hundred dollars? Thirty five dollars. Oh, thirty five hundred dollars. I was I, I did hear that. I was like, that's a 
insane amount of money in Man. 1972. For creative writing with just like, <laughs> like this hippie couple was able to raise seven grand just to <laughs> yeah. like make eyes at each other and <laughs> write poems. Maybe this won't be as funny though, but I laughed when they allowed her to take the class and they all start clapping. Yeah. I would have stood up and be like, give me back my fucking money. <laughs> I'm out of here. You're letting kids into this thing? <laughs> fucking ice cream poem. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Chris, uh, one thing we didn't talk about last time is what kind of kid were you at the time? What kind of kid was I? Hmm. I mean, I there I I grew up in a small town and there was a lot of like bike riding everywhere. My girlfriend was saying that she would watch that in Miami and be like, now and then in this movie, wow, what a, how amazing it would be to just like bike ride around your small town. And that like very much was mm-hmm. my life. So I did relate to it. We didn't have a lake. And I remember watching that and being like, fuck, I wish we had a lake. Am I remembering this correctly? Did you grow up in a hotel or a, or a train or something? You had like a Nickelodeon life. <laughs> I didn't grow up in a hotel, but my dad was a hotel manager, hotel oh, right. and restaurant manager. So I spent a lot of time in hotels. Mm-hmm. I did watch The Shining recently, and mm-hmm. I was like, this is very relatable to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and am I, am I remembering this correctly? Didn't at your dad's hotel at one point an orangutan uh, <laughs> have to uh, check in? Oh, he just- checked in. <laughs> In the presidential suite. Yeah. <laughs> and your brother, Zach and Cody. How are they doing? By the way, don't, don't shit on Duns and Checks In. That's the Citizen Kane of monkey movies. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've heard you talk about it. I know. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. My favorite bad movie is K911. It's oh, yeah. uh, about a, a canine cop um, and, and, his, uh, and his partner who doesn't play by the rules. Sure. And it's it's really, really, it feels like it was improvised on cocaine and they went, let's do it. Let's make it right now. <laughs> Are they first responders? Why is it 911? Uh, oh, they're police. He's the police. Oh, but you could just be K-9. That's the police. There is a movie oh. called K-9. Oh. Oh, maybe this is the sequel, K-9-11? <laughs> no, it's K911. Oh, I mean, it's K911. Jesus Christ. K911 would be it. I'd watch that uh, yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, I don't want to change the subject to K911. Oh, it's okay. It is an insane movie. Uh, Going back to you relating to uh, Mm -hmm. Macaulay Culkin, I think at that time sort of everyone did. Mm -hmm. Like because of Home Alone, he was – he was like the American ideal of a child. But you, you're saying you more than anyone now. Me more than anyone. Kevin. I, I think I'm one or two years uh, off of Macaulay himself. He did Home Alone, and then My Girl came out the following year. Word leaked that he was going to die in the movie. Basically, like, the most pivotal surprise in the movie was spoiled by newspapers because some columnist uh, saw it and said that, like, parents should know that, like, the national hero child is going to die if you are going to bring your kids to this. And so Paramount actually had to, like, scrap their entire plan for, like, early promotion, and they brought in child psychologists to watch the movie. Hmm. I don't know if you guys remember the uproar around My Girl, but like it in in the theater, it actually wasn't a shock. Mm. Is this movie a kids' movie? It's not, right? I mean, it was. It's a. It was rated PG, and it actually was originally rated PG thirteen, and the producers petitioned, and it got rated PG because wow. I think they were like. Look, there's no cursing, there's no sex. It's just about death. Why is death a mature subject? Everybody dies. And I I guess they won their appeal. I think they also definitely wanted the Macaulay Culkin fans to come to the theater. Would you let your kids watch something like this? I was thinking about that. I was because it's I haven't watched this movie since I was probably like 12 or 13, something like that. And I had seen it a couple of times. And I one, I didn't realize how young they were. Mm-hmm. In my head, I was like, oh, they're like 12 or something like that. But they're not. Like, they're... They're like uh, nine. They're like nine. And so I was, like, watching them being like, oh, I know kids that small. Like, that's horrible. And I don't know if I would let my, like, six-year-old watch it. Yeah. One, they don't like uh, live-action things. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, cartoons are bust. How about Coco? Did they watch Coco? They did watch Coco, but, again, like, the Disney stuff, they don't really wrap their heads around it. I think seeing a live kid die... (laughs) Oh, interesting. ...would be tough, Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I what, what's funny is that I have had quite a text message conversation with my mother uh-huh. in preparation to come on this podcast because I said, hey, what movie did I watch before I could? And my mom was like, you didn't watch any movies before you could because I really 
cared about exposing <laughs> you to age-appropriate mm. content. And the text message exchange is hilarious. My mom is so proud that I was never exposed to non-age-appropriate content. My mom used to screen movies before watching them wow. with wow. its kids. And I think that my girl is in her mind the one time she fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's uh, this is why we started the podcast yeah. is to to bring families together. I put and- moms on blast. That's what we want to do. My mom says, uh, "True, I was very serious about age appropriate exposure." Chris, the movie you're looking for probably was something you didn't watch with me. I didn't want Chris to see Jurassic Park because he was too young and it was too scary. Yet McDonald's was hyping it up for kids <laughs> with the toys and Happy Meals. So I felt pressured. Did I break down? Did we all see that movie together? Do you remember that, Chris? Oh, my God. <laughs> the answer is no, I didn't see it uh, because my mom wouldn't let me. I watched it later with my cousins whose mom is not as content uh, strict <laughs> as my mom because they were like five watching Jurassic Park with me. Looking back, because I watched all this shit way too early. Um, way too young. But I'm like, even now, like they sell like little kid Jurassic Park pajamas. Mm-hmm. I saw some probably 11-year-olds in Squid Game costumes. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you haven't seen that. You shouldn't yeah. see Squid Games while you're still playing Red Light, Green Light. Oh, wow. My, my, to bring music in as well, I feel like this movie does not, I don't think it has like... 30 seconds without a yeah. heavy soundtrack underneath yeah. it. And I noticed that very prominently this time. It is either there's music in the scene, there's singing music, or there is like a soundtrack. And I don't know if it's just my TV, but it felt like the music was mixed like yeah. really high yeah. in yeah. comparison with the dialogue. It's like there is constant music under this entire movie. That's the thing, uh, a bone I have to pick with the movie is the sound mixing. Because I picked up on that, which is yeah, music. Okay, but also her random uh, um, voiceovers oh, or whatever yeah. you call it. Oh, right. Oh, those were weird. weird. Yeah. Because they're the same, they're at the same level that the dialogue is at. So at first I was like, is Netflix lagging? What's going on here? Like, so I had to rewind it. And then she did it again. I was like, something's off. Well, also, also I believe it begins with her looking at the camera and talking. Yeah. And then they never do that again. They never do that again. And then like 25 minutes into the movie, you get your first voiceover of what she's thinking. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? When, when did this start happening? And I was like, oh, this must be based on a book or something mm-hmm. because like of this narration and stuff. It's not. This is the original movie. They based a book after this. Yeah. I had a weird moment with her dialogue. When she dropped the R word. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. That was like, what the fuck? It took a second to <laughs> register that she had said that. Right. And I, then I laughed so hard <laughs> because I was like, oh, this pro- again proves my theory that we're so lucky <laughs> that our movies are just not littered with this and other slurs left and right. It did take a second to be like, did she really just say that? And then I was like, did I think of her saying that? I just love it because, like, since we do this podcast, whenever someone drops, like, a word like that, I'm like, hooray, another (laughs) thing to talk about. (laughs) Which shouldn't be my natural reaction. You talked about the script. So Lloris Elawani is actually the writer of this. She ended up going to AFI. And I guess at the end of the first year, you have to turn in a script as your first year project. And this was that script. Hmm. The first line of the film is... The R word. I was born, <laughs> I was born jaundiced. And so that was the original title for this movie. It was what? It's called Born Jaundiced. What does... Mm. Ja- is jaundiced a name? Jaundice is a, a, a condition. condition yeah. yeah. Okay, um, that's what I thought. When you have a, a weak liver, you get like yellowish skin. Yeah. So oh, sometimes babies are born with their livers not fully flushed out. So they're like yellow, like little yellow. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know like it gives you like a yellow pigment, but like what d- is this? A character trait of the lead that we've watched still? So she is a hypochondriac. Yes. And so uh, she, like, keeps going to the doctor with, like, all of these made-up conditions. And so the very first three are, like, I was born jaundiced, something else. I've had a chicken bone stuck in my throat for four years. The vaccine is metal. (laughs) uh, They're tracking us. Uh, They're making the frogs gay. Uh, She she was brought into this world and killed her mother in the process. And so she 
feels like something's wrong with her. And then, like, couple that with, like, living in a funeral home. Uh, she just sees examples of uh, dying and sickness and death. And then your first love slash BFF dying. Yeah. What a fucking traumatic-ass childhood. It's It's rough stuff. What do you think her as an adult is like? that character well they were talking about doing a third movie so we could have found out but oh. unfortunately uh <laughs> depending on your opinion of how good that third movie would have been there are no no plans despite hmm. dan Aykroyd like going on record saying like oh yeah it's in development <laughs> and then anna was like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so she wrote this it it was optioned uh uh, Born Jaundiced was the original name, and everyone hated it. It then became I Am Woman before Brian Grazer finally he he put uh, five hundred dollars on the line to the whole crew and just said like if anyone comes up with a better title you can have the five hundo and so everybody was like coming up with names like Morning Glory because it's in a funeral home and mm-hmm. Dearly Departed. One one interesting thing about her writing this in film school is that it was her teacher that pitched Macaulay Culkin's character dying because originally she was just going to have the grandmother who had Alzheimer's mm-hmm. pass away. And because she had like a, a very close bond with her, it still would have been something. Mm. But the teacher just said, she's already been taken away because of the Alzheimer's. Ooh. You need to take away someone that's really going to hurt. Don't be a coward Go for the guts. And so that's why America watched America's kid die. (laughs) And then, like, sit there in an open casket with welts still on your face, which is why you just don't hire any makeup artists. Yeah, she was shitty at her job. Yeah, she's terrible. She should have been fired on the spot. Yeah. Yeah, if we really examine the Jamie Lee Curtis characters, she is kind of a mess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she's, like, driving around— with tons of romance novels in a recently divorced. Like, she got divorced, like, months ago. Yeah. She quit her job. She showed up in a mobile home outside these guys' house and kind of admits that, like, I just thought if I was around a family, I could become part of it. Yeah. And literally goes on, like, two dates with him. Hey, she's coming on super strong. Yes. Yeah. She's trying to fuck him on the first date, yeah. and he's the one who's like, I gotta go. She wants to live in that house. She's like, fuck this RV. It's not even mine. <laughs> There's never even dialogue from, like, between him and his brother being like, I don't know why she's into me. Like, yeah. like, yeah. And like something to be like, uh, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Her backstory is that she slept with her old boss, Dino. Yeah. You know, yeah, she like. Inv- she invites trouble to the house. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a good time to start uh, scenes that make you go, hmm. 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 So my scene that made me go, hmm, is at the barbecue where Dan Aykroyd punches out her ex. Uh-huh. And tells them to get out, right? So he punches them and is like, get out of here. I'll, I'll, I'll murder you. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll straight up murder you and your whole family and then I'll, whatever. And then I'll put you in a coffin yeah. and throw your funeral. Yes, exactly. Like kind of- and she'll do the makeup. And then then it cuts <laughs> to the very next scene. Is them like kind of saying goodbye yes, to them? it's a time jump. <laughs> it's nighttime. I was like, it's nighttime. I was like, what happened in this six hours? <laughs> like they could have just had him walking away with the burger being like, oh, thanks for that barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually a pretty nice guy. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> bye. Yeah, it was very confusing. Uh, also, just like right before that, I went, hmm. Seems to make you go. At the grocery store right before that, if you watch that back, they have so much bread in their car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, because she was like, she had like all those potatoes and she was like, I thought there was like a block party <laughs> happening. And then it just there's cuts to the four, four people. There's, <laughs> there's like 10 loaves of yeah. bread. In her car. Also, I had to rewind in. This is just me being a continuity nerd. I went back to the uh, the scene where she wins the goldfish. She did she not get it. make it. No, Mm-mm. she she threw it. Then he threw it. Then Jamie Lee Curtis threw it. Then she went. I made it. And they went, okay. I know. That no. second camera was not rolling. <laughs> yeah. That was supposed to be the cheat <laughs> shot. You know? I watched her ball. I was like, you didn't make it. You just lied. I wasn't watching the ball. I was watching the guy on the right <laughs> to her who is just a very bad extra. Who is just like really hamming it up. Just like as, <laughs> as big a face as you could make. And then like she gets it in or apparently does it. And he like looks at her and goes like, hey. <laughs> Well, honestly, that game was chaos. There was a million people throwing balls at different times. I was like, how are you keeping track of anybody's ball? Yeah. 
Like, I was just like, I like, we just got to get rid of these fish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's like, hey, everybody look how easy it is. Come on. I want to get off in 15 minutes. <laughs> I've got a date at the Tilt-A-Whirl. The sad thing is the off-camera story, you know that fish died. Oh, yeah. On top of all this, that, that yeah. thing died within months. It was also allergic to bees. <laughs> <laughs> she's dealing with all that, and you know, and then she's like, it's okay. You just need to confront your feelings. But you know that the fish dies. I did. She she has learned about death five times. Like I don't understand what the point of the movie is. She should have been like, oh yeah, you know, that's what happens. Yeah, she also grew up in a mortuary. She knows all about that. Yeah, I love I love when they're fishing and he doesn't want to touch it. And then she like takes the hook off and throws it in. And she's like, did he make it? And Thomas J just looks at this lifeless fish. And he's like. Yeah, 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 he swam away. He's good. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's death upon death upon death. I'm sorry, have you guys ever met anyone who goes by their first name and then middle initial? Is it, it's Thomas J, right? Th- yeah. It's Thomas J, and J is for James, his middle name, because at the funeral they say Thomas James something. So, and I was like, no. have you ever met any, you might meet somebody who goes by TJ, but yeah. not Thomas J. No. This is bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> My scene that made me go, hmm, is when, <laughs> after the funeral, Veda, have we even said her name in this? I couldn't no. remember. Veda Sultanfus. Veda Sultanfus, um, who also the ex-husband who comes by, <laughs> he just like, for no reason, is just like, hey, shitty name, kid. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so after the funeral... She runs off and hides, and uh, some time passes, and the cop comes to the door and basically says, like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, we've been looking, but we just haven't found her. And Jamie Lee Curtis's character says, uh, you've been looking all morning. And then as soon as that happens, she walks in, which means that <laughs> they, these cops have been looking everywhere except for to the side yeah. or behind them. <laughs> like, she was five steps behind this guy, <laughs> He had no idea. Also, did the cops come and tell the funeral owner that their friend died? Like, yes. what was that? They Why? were like, you got a new booking. Yeah, is that what? <laughs> it kind of feels like they were like, hey, hey you're busy this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> My scene that made me go, hmm. Scenes that make you go, hmm. Huh. <laughs> was that first writing scene, which one I didn't even remember happened in the movie. But when the, uh, like, blue collar, like, mechanic guy gets up. Mm-hmm. And the lady in front of him says something, and he goes, what the? Oh, yeah. And goes to, like, hit her. I'm like, she's a stranger. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, this isn't The Sopranos. Like, what is (laughs) happening here? And everyone's like, oh, all right. And then they just keep going. (laughs) Nobody says anything. The teacher's not like, hey, get out of here, buddy. (laughs) Some casual elder abuse. Yeah, just tell me your crazy fucking poem again about stalking a girl. I'm not exactly sure what, I think the scene that made me go, hmm. was the bingo first date. Oh, yeah. I was like, is this just to show that it's a small town? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, then they must show that, like, everyone plays bingo in the small town. But no, it's just like uh, old people's home. So he basically just took his girl on a first date to the old people's home to play bingo. And they almost kissed in the middle of yeah. it. Yeah. Which is just like, fu- like if anybody did that, if you're like visiting your grandma at an old folks home and there's just like a random couple at a date yeah. to, for bingo, it's like, also they got in a gnarly, f- there's a lot of like, in the background, there's a lot of fights happening. <laughs> when those yeah. two old guys start old guy fighting, ooh, that's a good part. Yeah, oh. that is funny. That's that's the good stuff. This movie slaps. <laughs> this movie fucking hits hard. So like, so they they make they make a little bit of a reference to it when Jamie Lee like looks around and says, "You're gonna have some business soon." And he says, "Why do you think these seats were open?" This is like a a terrible thing that he's doing where he's just like hawking around so people know yeah. that like that's where he's gonna be buried. It's the same as like uh, a preacher who like needs some funeral services. He's I mean he's essentially wow. the Grim Reaper just showing yeah. up and yeah. just playing a little bingo on the side. But he's like, <laughs> I got eyes on you, Grandma. Next. <laughs> I actually don't think any of these people are very good people. Because we did talk about, like, what would uh, Veda grow up as? And we made the joke, like, she'd be anti-vac. I mean, she does, she, there's something off. I mean, of course, she's had a lot of trauma, but I think she's she's grown up to be a Karen. Well, that was, like, my, my second scene of Mamie Go Home. was the very, very end with the voiceover. And she's like, and then, like, that summer, things got better. 
like this happened and this happened and Richard Nixon was re-nominated by the Republican Party. Yay. End of movie credits. Howard Ziff just being like, Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally, like that's how the movie ends. It's like on the high note of Nixon getting reelected. Is there a nod and a wink there that like things are getting better but Nixon is reelected? No, no, I think that's, I think that's like a, one of her three positive things. Oh, it's not it's like, like a fish thing where it's like, oh, she's going to be disappointed no. about this. <laughs> no, no, no. And we stayed in Vietnam for three more years. <laughs> I, am I, is it a good movie? It's a great movie. It's fantastic. Great. Okay. I it's think fantastic. It's, a great it's really movie. well structured. It is not for your age group. It's not for you even, Mike Post. Mm-hmm. And I know that's hard to believe. But mm-hmm. this was a movie that people understood the inevitable at uh growing up they they hadn't they hadn't seen a character that they could relate to facing the issues that are but does she face the issues that's or what I'm is saying. it just trauma porn no. that's that, it I'm kind a, of feels like trauma porn but not to the very what does she learn she, that's I'm with Chris here I I don't think it's a bad movie I thought it was okay I don't think it's a bad I like the movie it, yeah I, I liked it overall but I I do think like what was the point she she knows all about death. I think she, the, she's not learning anything here. What I think that the point was, and I don't even know if it was made well, and this might not even be the point. What I'll take it from it, but uh, bees was the, no was the <laughs> idea that even in death you can have a positive outcome with the memories you keep. I think that's what she was like. She never had like positive memories because she had no memories of her mom because she never talked about her mom until the very end. Mm. And the dad's like, you know, like just because somebody's dead doesn't mean you have to stop forgetting them. Yeah, which I think is what she was scared of. Mm. And um, so that's why she's like, oh, I'll always remember Thomas Jane, um, grown man, climbing trees with me. <laughs> Star of the Punisher. <laughs> so then can I ask, what is, just give me the quick plot of My Girl 2. Okay, so oh. so now Dan Aykroyd and Jamie Lee Curtis are with Child. Okay. And Uh-oh. she is has to do a report on someone that she admires, but she hasn't met. So Nelson Mandela or someone else. And so she decides. She's also, she also leaves Jamie and Dan and lives with her uncle in, in Los Angeles. Well, not yet. So oh, I thought that was the beginning. That, that is what happens. And technically, Dan Aykroyd and J.B. Lee Curtis were like, no, I don't want to do a fucking sequel. <laughs> and so that's almost what happened. Instead, she is assigned this report to talk about someone that she admires but hasn't met, she decides to do her mom. And uh, she asks Dan Aykroyd about it. And frankly, like, we we joked before that, like, Jamie Lee moved fast. It's actually Dan Aykroyd who moves fast. He's like, uh, really, I didn't know your mother. Uh, she was... <laughs> She's uh, dead. Get over uh, it. Your mother uh, was with, like, a touring theater group. Uh, we Ooh. met. I proposed on our second date. And then, like, a couple weeks after that, she was pregnant. And then she died after you. So I don't know much about her. And so she go- she finds out that her mom lived in California and grew up. And so she goes to live with her uncle Phil, who is now <laughs> French Prince of LA. Yeah. He he works at an auto repair shop in Los Angeles on Sunset Drive, not Sunset Boulevard. See, I'm telling you, they're not great people. <laughs> no, like make something up. You know, like give your give the mom a nice backstory or something. That's yeah. true. Yeah, he could. He's have like, been I don't, right. I don't really know her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. <laughs> yeah, who sure, who, who are we talking about? I, oh, I yeah, married yeah. her on a second date because she was pregnant. Yeah. yeah, and some guy came around and punched him out. <laughs> uh, we we also cannot forget that in My Girl Two there is so much bullying the girl with no mom. There is so many bullies go up to her and they're like, "Hey, dead mom!" Oh, like wow. they're like. I'm like, who the fuck actually does You know what? This? That's like a weird trope I see. We're watching the Apple show Invasion right now, and there's a whole thing about bullying another kid for having a dead mom. I'm like, that's like the nobody Who does that? Nobody what psychopath that? is like, let me find out about this kid. Let's see. He's fucking short. He's, no. Oh, his mom's dead. Fucking get him. Get him. Everybody write three mom jokes <laughs> yeah, by yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. We'll get him at lunch. <laughs> by here by 12. <laughs> I think if you were the bully in that situation, you made fun of a kid for having a dead mom once, like you would remember that. Yeah. But in the way it's said in this, it's like everybody's just like, ugh. And if it's just one get- bully, that can be dealt with. If it's a whole school or town, <laughs> yeah. like, you move. The teacher is like, you sure you want to write about your dead mom? <laughs> <laughs> like, every, <laughs> everyone's like, 
sick of this bitch talking about her dead mom. And I'm like, who, where's... I also don't remember about this movie, about her being such a ne'er-do-well kid. Always out, like, not listening to her parents, like, stealing yeah. money. She's not a good kid. I'm, I'm telling you, they're not good people. No, the, wor- <laughs> the worst person in this film is Judy, her, her new best friend, who shows up before the funeral, the body isn't even cold yet. Yeah. And she's like, hey, I heard about Thomas J. Anyway, I wanted to put in a word uh, to fill that new position. Uh, yeah. I would love to to ride bikes play? with you. It looks like a lot yeah. of fun. But that made me laugh, too, because she said a very adult thing, which was like, let let her know I stopped by. <laughs> yeah, I stopped by. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this conniving bitch? Like, what's going on here? This town's fucked. Well, I just thought it was such a classic, because I asked, why do you think they're good? Do you think it's a good movie? Because then I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and it's at like a 53. Really? Wow. Interesting. It, got, it didn't get very well reviewed. And I, I, I think it's because it's a movie. We like it because we remember it well as kids. As an adult watching it, like, I don't know if you would think it's as good as. They, they said it wasn't exciting. Did you guys know that the director, Howard Ziff, is also responsible for the most famous commercial of all time? That's a spicy meatball. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I knew that. What what commercial? So it's an Alka-Seltzer commercial where it's an Italian stereotype just (laughs) eating meatballs over and over again. Oh, I sort of remember That's a spicy meatball. And so at the end, like they, it's it's the first like look behind the camera commercial. Oh, okay. So it breaks the fourth wall and he's doing take after take of eating these meatballs and he needs Alka-Seltzer. Howard Ziff started as basically a man about town in New York, like the biggest ad director in in the time. Time magazine called him the master of mini haha. <laughs> I want that title. But yeah, he he also he cast unknowns uh, Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, and Richard Dreyfus in different commercials at the time. So he's responsible for a lot more than just beasting nightmares. Uh, well, I think it's time for everyone's heralded segment. <laughs> well, this is getting longer by the week. Yeah. <laughs> so they all own it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, our, it's our heralded. <laughs> Don't just give that shit away. Uh, they can have it. That's right. Everyone's a critic. Everyone's a critic, but that doesn't make them smart. Where we find someone who hated this movie, and then we see what they love. From Amazon, Professor Know How. Oh, this is I this is gonna be good. Gave this film one star. Professor Know How wrote. Parents, be forewarned. Mm. This is a troubling film. Be forewarned. (laughs) This is a Nina Reinecker review. (laughs) This is a sad movie. I don't agree that this movie is a comedy, nor is it a family film. I lost my best friend who was a girl unexpectedly at the age of seven. My parents, in their wisdom, thought it best that I didn't go to the funeral home and see her lying in a coffin. I feel the producers of this film should have included a warning. I felt violated by this film. Although death is a natural event, this young girl lacks any spiritual understanding of death. Like so many films Hmm. today that call themselves family entertainment, there is no God and consequently no hope. I'd steer away from this. Wow. Wow. Can I ask when he wrote B forewarned? Was it B E E? He did not. <laughs> he he <laughs> missed that golden opportunity. Uh, very sad. Professor Know How also gave five stars to the Christmas Candle, <laughs> which is a film. Professor Know How wrote, "This has got to be one of the best real Christmas stories ever." Sadly, it probably won't be aired on television much because it's politically incorrect <laughs> to even say Merry Christmas. Oh, that, Professor, uh, no. That alone, speak of Christ, the light of the world. Similar to It's a Wonderful Life, this movie will become one of your family's staples for years to come. It had a very limited theater showing, and in many blue states, it was nowhere to be found. Shame on you. 
I hate to sound like a commercial, but get this movie soon while supplies last. I ordered several dozen last year and gave them to my dearest friends and supporters. Some I drove in the middle of the night to their homes in order to place it in their <laughs> mailboxes before Christmas, even though they already had a packed schedule with family and friends visiting. Because of my enthusiasm, they made time to watch the film and were blessed beyond measure. Everyone loved it, and so will you. May God bless you and your family this Christmas. This film is just one of many blessings. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. But also, I think they, they say heaven. My dad, my mom will watch him over him in heaven. Yeah. There's a lot of heaven cry. talk. Yeah. Like maybe not a lot of God talk, but... Yeah. This review starts out with, this has got to be one of the best real Christmas stories ever. And uh, the first two sentences of the wiki plot is, <laughs> in the fictional village of Gladbury. <laughs> <laughs> Every... <laughs> <laughs> Every 25 years, an angel visits the candlemaker and bestows a miracle upon whomever lights the Christmas candle. The whole town believes in the candle except the new pastor, Reverend David Richmond. What makes it real? What make, I think the only thing that makes it real for him is that it's about religion. Yes, like he's oh, like, I, I think my favorite real Christmas story is Gremlins. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when that happened? Remember when that small town had yeah. all those green things coming after him? <laughs> Jesus. What is a real... Because it's all about magic and, and miracles. Yes. The Christmas candle Can you imagine just, like, because Christmas is so hectic and your family's, like, kids are running around, you're trying to cook, make baked cookies, and everyone's kind of fighting, you know, and fucking this... Professor knows how. I'm outside. At, at it's 9 p.m. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? What is this? A, yeah. a fucking V. I don't even have a VCR anymore. I drove in the dead of night. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> my yeah, headlights were off. Yeah, your kids are at the window, like, Mom, <laughs> is that Professor Know-how? <laughs> Get away from the door. Get away from the door. <laughs> yeah. Drop the lights. It definitely shows how people think about him. He's like, even though everyone on Christmas said their schedules were packed, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not allowed to come over. But when I dropped I it off, it anyway. there was a party happening. I didn't go inside. Let's be very clear. He had nowhere to be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Nobody was Christmas. inviting him over. Yeah. Because oh. he's probably starting arguments. About <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck Professor Know-How. What do you want to do? Uh, it's a wonderful life. That's not a real Christmas story. Here's a real one. Professor Know-How, he, he runs a program where uh, you, can, you can send professionals to a school that doesn't have like a proper science program. And so these retired teachers and people that he he basically like compiles come in and for free teach to kids science. But probably knowing Professor Know How exactly. Yeah. It's probably not science. This is a specific brand of science. How did you find all that out about Professor Noah? I go deep, baby. Yeah, you did. This is like what I want the whole podcast. I, lo I, <laughs> I love this country. We have got just primo crazy people. It's yeah, so beautiful. We have the best. Yeah, we have the best. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have such a, so many, so many of them. Varied. I know. It's so, it's so great. awesome. I wonder when they get to like JFK Jr. is going to show up today. We're at the Grassy Knoll. Do they look around and go, ah, oh, shit, everyone here is crazy? Or do they go... Yeah. My peeps. Uh, it's, Everyone it's hard, it's here gets it. So that was a, I tweeted that from our uh, account, by the way, at Cable Boys Twitter. <laughs> what What was the point? Why would JFK Jr. Okay, first of all, if he came back, pretty cool. But two, why would he want Trump as president? No, it was JFK was coming back. Oh, I thought it was JFK. No, it was JFK. They were JFK all coming. Juniors. They were all coming. The whole family? I heard it was JFK. <laughs> and loaded Jackie, up the car. And, and like what was going to happen is that they thought that when JFK died, that he was still the president then, and he's been the president this entire time, and he was going to hand over the presidency to Trump. Wow. What's going on with their brain? Like, because, <laughs> <laughs> like, is it, are they, like, I could see being like, this is fun, and it's fun that everybody agree, like, everyone's playing this game. JFK Jr. is going to show up. It's like yeah. a sports game. But then, then he doesn't show up, and they go, oh, it'll happen tonight at, at the, the Rolling, Rolling Stones, Stones concert. concert. And it's like, how, like and then and then a big group goes yeah. yeah 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 are they just playing along and they're like just, just yes and bro are yeah they? it's something I mean people need to just hang out they just need a group that's all it is they do yeah, they just is. need a community but I do yeah. want to double down again then why would JFK who is a Democrat 
want Trump to be president. Dude. Because the CIA all, killed him, and that's the deep yeah. state, and Trump is anti-deep state. Yeah, I know, but, but, Duh. but Biden and JFK are actually the only Catholic presidents. That's a stronger bond than getting whacked by the CIA. Because that could happen to anybody. That could happen to any mm. president. I think they get told that. Oh, interesting. And in this and in this scenario, he actually didn't get whacked by the CIA because he's still alive. Exactly. Right. He we're, just got pretend whacked. We're talking about like <laughs> trying to explain to a dog why it shouldn't eat its own throw up. But there's me throw throw up. He's going, no. Yeah, no, stop. That's no. not good for you. No you JFK doing? Jr. You just threw that up. What's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, uh, Q. Um uh Damn. Yeah, JFK. I, I I thought we'd get here at the end of <laughs> Do you do you guys think that the people who showed up and ended up going to the Rolling Stones concert because like they were like something's gonna happen? What if instead like Mick Jagger looks around and he goes like we've got a special guest. Charlie isn't dead. And so like the, the drummer, the drummer came back to life. Would do you think the QAnon people are like eh, close, close enough? Good. Yeah. I'll take it. I just wanted I knew to- it was gonna be something. I knew it was gonna be something. Wait, I don't know this part of it. So it didn't happen, so they went to a rolling stone. This is fucking yeah, wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is whack. What, you guys all paid resale for Rolling Stones tickets? Like, Do you think like, one of the scalpers was like, hey, no, I, I hear it's happening uh, down the street, <laughs> and I have tickets. Uh, I'll see a limo. <laughs> I, 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 there's also some, like, there's some drives home that were like, so JFK didn't show up, did he? No, but... Pretty good show, right? Yeah. <laughs> that well, make Jagger still's got a lot of energy. They stopped playing brown sugar. Boo. <laughs> oh, man. Shall we head on down to Pop Corner? Yeah, Pop absolutely. Corner. That's right. It's Pop Corner, where we review the movie in terms of popcorn. That's like popcorn. It, like it a gets scale popcorn. of one through five, and, and we'll tell you what that means. Yeah. Sometimes. We'll see. Yep. Mm. Who's going first? Uh, I w- I'm going to give it four bags of soggy popcorn mm. because I cried Oh yeah, all over mm. the popcorn and salty. It's wet, oh. um, but it's filling. Yeah. And, and it, it got, I don't know if it is like perfect, but it got me somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, mo- movies can confront tough things. And I, I think it's good for kids to do, but I don't know what age you you give a kid this. Stuff. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna give it four and a half bags of popcorn. Mm, wow. But it's like this popcorn out of movie movie theater you go through all, all the time. You're like, you're there and once a week, you know, it's back in the day when movie theaters were a thing. And um, you see the same clerk behind the the counter, always with a smile. She's nice, she's like young, she's like, Hi, like another large, like if you're in your kids, like, yeah, thank you so much, Carol. And then you go back one week and she's not there. Mm. And you're like, oh, what happened to Carol? Is she not working today? And they're like, oh, you didn't hear? She was stung by a million bees. <laughs> and your kids are like, where's Carol? And you're like, oh, shit. Um, do you guys have like... Do you guys want to see the Rolling Stones? <laughs> <laughs> Carol's going to come back. <laughs> I'm going to give this uh, one uh, extra large bag of popcorn um, hmm. that I bought uh, as an 11-year-old the first time I went to the movies on my own. And uh, I, I take this enormous bag of popcorn and I sit in the movie theater seat and I'm so excited. I'm finally seeing a movie on my own and I take a, the lights go down and the projector starts to run and I take a big handful of popcorn and that's when I learned that I'm deathly allergic to popcorn. <laughs> I thought I thought that might be going that yeah. <laughs> that direction. Uh, I'm going to give this four and three quarters bags okay. of popcorn. And honestly, this is just America's popcorn. Yeah. This is a shining example of what life can be in the face of the grave future that some of us uh, cascading towards at <laughs> a rapid, rapid rate. But wow. yeah, Chris. I cannot thank you enough for joining us. You are as witty as you are handsome. You are as poignant as you are kind. Where can we direct our audience towards the things that you do? Oh, you can follow me at Chris Reinecker on all of them platforms. And uh, I have a podcast called Wine and Weed, where we uh, drink a bottle of wine, smoke a joint, and... uh, uh, talk about the news, really. It's a it's a news show disguised as a party show, but we laugh at people, and there's some famous people we get to smoke weed with, so that's always fun to watch. 
check it out. YouTube.com slash Wine and Weed or search Wine and Weed on all your little podcast um, things. What does Michael B. Jordan smell like? Um, that day we... I just want to tell my I, wife. Probably what you expect. I just want to tell my... Because, like, you know, I can get the same scent. It's like it's it's like a cologne, but it, it is just his natural scent. His natural <laughs> scent is... Uh, I have listened to the yeah. podcast, and it's a delight. Thank so you. Uh, if you liked listening to this uh, episode, go ahead and head on over to Wine and Weed and do the same. Uh, we have been the Cable Boys. Uh, you can follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Cable Boys Pod. You can go to iTunes or Spotify or those other thing and like and subscribe if you don't already. Our producer is Kyle Neal. Our theme song is by Casey Trila. And while you're over at Spotify or oh, yeah, we forgot to check in on the oh, mood ring. Oh god. my god, mood ring this whole. I time. did wing, wear a mood ring this whole time, and when I entered, it was kind of black and dark, and now it's blue, which means oh. feels happy. Seems, okay. seems like it would mean happy to me. No, because <laughs> no, <laughs> because Sweet when death. when Veda uh, was with uh, Thomas J, it was always black. Yeah. But then when Thomas J dies and gives they give the ring back to her, it's blue. Thomas J died. Yeah, that's what your mood ring said. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna die. I mean, seriously, mood rings. JFK coming back. This. <laughs> This criteria is just fucked. We just believe everything. But anyway, uh, rate this episode five stars, because quite frankly, that was a five-star episode. And if you don't think so, uh, then check your mood ring, because you might be dead. Yeah, you yeah. take dummies. <laughs> yeah. And this episode is brought to you by Susan Miller Astrology. SusanMillerAstrology.com. <laughs> believe it. Or Dr. Know How Astrology. <laughs> and, and, and the new Rolling Stones tour. <laughs> Camel Watch back. Oh. StubHub. StubHub.com. Get your Rolling Stones tickets. See you All right, that's all. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Is that Professor Know-How? Get away from the door. Get away from the door.